Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. We uh, have been going through a series that we've entitled Unexpected Gifts. And I want us to think a little bit this morning of why this particular announcement was an announcement that brought an unexpected joy. Uh, because it's very familiar to us, and so I don't know that we really appreciate the context to understand why this was all so unexpected at the time. Uh, it says in verse 8 that in that same region, and if you're reading this in isolation, you're like, well, what region? Because we didn't read the verses before, but it's trying to make a connection to something that Luke has already said. So I want us to consider what that is. If we go back in Luke chapter 1, and kind of consider the setting of this unexpected announcement, we see the timing of these events. He says it took place during the reign of Caesar Augustus, a very famous Roman emperor. And we learn that he's the one that sent out a decree throughout all the Roman Empire in order to take a census of what he said was the inhabited earth, because in his mind, he was ruler of the world, right? And he wanted to know how many people were in his kingdom, but we need to understand why. <laughs> he was taking a census for the purpose of taxation, right? So he wanted to know just how many citizens there were so that he could determine how much money he could pull squeezing out of the people in order to pay for his political agenda. So I want you to imagine what that had been like if you were one of those citizens, Okay? Because it's not like you filled out your tax form to determine what you would pay. The government actually told you what you would pay, and very often it was more than you could afford. But it was just another reminder of that tyranny that you had to endure during that time. We also learned that it was a mandatory census, and each person had to go back to their hometown and register in that place. And there was no consideration for any accommodations or unique situations that someone might be in, like Joseph, whose wife was nine months pregnant, and yet they still had to travel three days by foot into the city of Bethlehem from Nazareth. And to make matters worse, because I'm sure it was a pretty slow journey, right, when you're nine months pregnant, and when they arrived, there was no place for them to stay. Everybody... The, the, the city was already overpopulated with people, so the best they could do is stay in a place that was used to house animals. But at least it was a place to rest, right? We know that that rest didn't last very long because very soon after their arrival, Mary goes in to labor. And so think about how unsettling this would have been for them. This is the day that they've been waiting for. They both had, Mary and Joseph had angelic announcements telling them all that was going to happen. So imagine they had in their mind all the things that this would look like. And I promise you, this was not in their imagination. They did not expect to go into labor while they were sitting among the odor of animals, sheep and goats and cattle. But that's where the baby Jesus was born. And when he was born, he was placed in a manger, which you probably know is a feeding trough. It's what they fed animals out of. But that crib, that became a crib for the newborn king. That's the setting of this angelic announcement. That's why it was such an unexpected thing, because there was so much uncertainty 
going on in the world at that time. But before we look at that together, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we know that there's plenty of uncertainty in our world as well. So I would just ask that even as we open up your word, that you would speak truth into our hearts, that you would allow us to hear your voice, to be moved by your truth, and to allow what we hear to remind us of what is true. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so as we read those words in that same region, now we have a little bit more of a context, right? We're talking about the region in and around the city of Bethlehem. We went to Israel this past year. How many of you were with, with us on that trip? Okay, there's several from Melanie Park that went to Israel. So you may remember, we visited this area. It's what is known as the shepherd's fields. And it is a valley that lies in between the city of Bethlehem in the city of Jerusalem. In fact, you can see one from the standing on the side of the valley of the other. So we were standing in Bethlehem looking over at Jerusalem with this valley in between us. And I remember vividly sitting there. I can still picture it in my mind's eye thinking to myself, this makes perfect sense. This makes perfect sense. It was a very fertile land. Shepherds still utilize that area to this day. Uh, it was something that we were excited to see because it, it really kind of brought us into that place of a familiar passage that we have read before. And even though it was for, uh, new and exciting to us, it would have been very familiar to the shepherds during that time. We know that they frequently moved sheep in and out of this fertile area. And so they would have known it well. But no matter how much they knew about that area... <laughs> All bets were off when the sun goes down, right? Because that's when the predators have the advantage. The lions, the wolf, they lie in waiting for just the right opportunity to have some delicious sheep, right? And so when it was nighttime, the shepherds had to be on guard, on alert to keep watch over their flocks at night, and then suddenly, in that nighttime, instead of the, the glowing eyes of the predators in the tall grass, they were surrounded by the glory of an angel that suddenly appeared. And for the shepherds, I bet this was worse than being confronted by a wild animal because in all likelihood, they had seen that before. But this is something none of them had ever experienced. And it says that they were terribly afraid. So the angel comforts them and says in verse 10, don't be afraid. I bring good news of great joy for all the people. And let me just assure you, this is not what the shepherds expected. And the reason is, is I believe they were fearful because Many times in the Bible, when people are confronted by the light of God's glory, it often revealed the reality of their sin. Do you remember the prophet Isaiah? When he stood in the presence of a holy God, and do you remember his response? I think very much like the shepherds, he was terrified. And he said, woe is me. I am undone. 
for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He was undone in the reality of his sin in the presence of a holy God, and I believe the shepherds felt very much the same way. So the angel calms their concern, and he he explains, don't be afraid, because I'm not here to bring judgment for sin. I'm here to announce a Savior who came to forgive your sin. That's why it was so unexpected. And we learned that that message that the angel brings was not just for the world in general. He's telling them specifically that this is a message for you. Look at verse 11. It says, when the angel said, today in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born for everyone else. No, that's not what it says. It says, a Savior has been born for you. The promised Messiah has arrived with you in mind. You are the reason he's here. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts, if there was an angel that suddenly appeared to us this morning, he would say the very same thing to you and I. Because Jesus didn't come just to save a select few. He didn't arrive to rescue only the ones who were most deserving. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So with that in mind, I want to ask you to do something. This is a perfect time of year to do this. How many of y'all have a nativity scene in your home or at least can look at one, right? Most every one of you can. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some time, and this would be great to do as a family. Sit down and look at that nativity scene and pay particular attention to Jesus lying in a manger. And and then either you or someone else make the announcement and make it personal. As you look at that manger and as you see the baby Jesus in that manger, I want you to say to yourself, the Savior, that Savior came for me. That was the message of the angels, and I believe that still applies to you and I today. Jesus came for you. No matter how far away he may feel in this moment, no matter what you have done or what occupies your mind when you hear that, that, that statement, I want you to know Jesus came for you. That's why the angel announced to the shepherd that Jesus came for the world, that he came for each of us. And then the angel says that that he'll give them a sign, an assurance of what they're saying is true. He tells them in verse 12, you'll find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger, which admittedly is a pretty unique place for a newborn child to be, all right? But still, I don't think that's the most miraculous thing about this sign. I think the real miracle... Is that they were able to find him. Because as far as we know, that's all they had to go on. A baby, wrapped in claws, lying in a manger, somewhere in Bethlehem. Which we've already learned is overpopulated with people. And then it says that with that announcement, that angel had came to them in isolation, now was joined by a heavenly host. Now, 
I assume that's hundreds. I technically don't know how many angels are in a heavenly host, right? But I think it's a lot, right? And it says that in response to the announcement, the angels say in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Or some translations say on whom his favor rests. And I believe that the angels are praising God for the evidence of his amazing grace because they know perhaps better than most how undeserving humanity is to receive the favor of God. We talked about that last week, right? How there's none righteous, not even one, that we were dead in our sin and yet God still sent his son to us. He made it possible for us to have peace, reconciling us in our relationship with God through faith in Christ, the Savior who died for our sins. And even though that may be a very familiar gospel truth to us, I promise you the angels still sing about it in heaven. And they will the day we arrive as well. But as quickly as they appeared, it says that the angels... Depart. And at least for a moment, I would expect that there's dead silence, right? I bet they just stood there in awe of what had just happened. That, that's the response that makes most sense to me until somebody says, what are we waiting for, right? I mean, that's verse 15. It says, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And as we've gone through our series and I read that passage, it reminded me of Mary's response. This is faith that seeks understanding as we've been talking about. Because the shepherds didn't say, I don't know. Really? I guess we could go see if it's really true. That's not what they said at all, is it? They said, let's go witness what the Lord has made known. Just like we saw with Mary, right? When she said in a hur- that she left in a hurry to go to her cousin Elizabeth's house. The shepherds do the same thing. They rushed off with an expectant heart. They believed that God would do what he said he would do. Even though, as we know, they still had a lot to learn. And let me just say here that that there's something for us to learn as well. Because as we've gone through our series, this example of faith keeps showing up. We keep encountering people who respond to God with an expectant heart, believing that God always does what he says he will do. And as we read these repeated examples of these types of encounters, I believe that's the way the Bible invites us to experience the same. Because all too often, I think we walk around more with doubt and disbelief. In a sense of, yeah, I know the Bible's story, and that's the way it was then, but that's not what God does now. We can develop kind of a critical spirit a skeptical heart. But James warns us in chapter 1, verse 6, he says, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And notice this, that person, such a person is double-minded, 
and unstable in all they do. You see, I think, I, I really do believe that we miss a lot of miracles that happen in everyday life because we don't live with an expectant heart. It's like the person who goes into marriage counseling and says to himself, this is never going to work. Well, if that's what you expect, then you're right. It probably won't. You'll never see the miracle of the redemptive work that God could do in your marriage. But what if you believed, like the angel told Mary, that nothing, I mean nothing, an expectant heart to God? What if you cultivated an expectant heart? Believing that God always does what he says he will do. Deepening your faith as you rely on his word. That's what we see with the shepherds. Verse 16 tells us they came in a hurry. You see, they were in a hurry just like Mary was in a hurry because they left with an expectant heart. They wanted to find Mary and Joseph, and they did. Jesus there in the manger. And again, to me, this is the most miraculous part of the sign, because how in the world did they know where to go? Shepherds. These were shepherds who were particularly responsible for raising the sheep who would be used to sacrifice in the temple just down the road. And so whenever a new lamb was born, there was a specific place that they would take that lamb to make sure that it remained unblemished for that temple sacrifice. And many believe that's where they went. And when they arrived, they found Jesus lying in a manger, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world. And as they stood there, they told Mary and Joseph everything that the angel had said. And then verse 18 tells us, all who heard it wondered at what they were saying. And to be honest, when I read that statement, I'm asking myself, who are they all? Because all we know about are Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. So, so who else is there? We, we really don't know, but the, the statement seems to imply that there were others beside the ones that we would expect, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. Perhaps it was the people who were kind enough to help Mary when she delivered this child. Maybe it was the people who actually owned these animals that gave this young couple a nice place to stay. We really don't know who it was, but we do know that they were trying to comprehend, trying to wrap their minds around what the angel said. A Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. That, that's, that's saying that this, this promised Messiah that we've been waiting for, that he's arrived? <laughs> See, that's the setting the uncertainty that would precede this unexpected announcement of joy. They couldn't quite figure it out. But you'll notice that the response of Mary was different. Look at verse 19. It says, Mary's response was different. She was wondering. She wasn't wondering, trying to make sense of the angelic announcement. Mary treasured, it says, these things. She, she pondered them in her heart. Because here's the deal. The shepherds did not announce anything to Mary and Joseph that they did not already know. 
the child, she knew that she bore was conceived by the Holy Spirit and that his name would be Jesus. The angel had told her that. She knew that he was the promised Messiah, the one who came to save his people from their sins. He came to bring salvation of the world to the world. He, they knew that this was the good news of great joy for all the world. And even as you sit here this morning, you and I have something in common with Mary. Because I believe that in all reality, I haven't told you anything you didn't already know, right? As I said in the beginning, this is a very familiar story. But let me ask you this. Do you still treasure it? Do you still ponder these truths in your heart? Do you live with an expectant heart believing that that's the Savior who came for you? You see, I I think we need to ask ourselves that question. But to be honest with you, I think the last verse of our passage actually answers the question. Look at what it says there in verse 20. It says, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard, heard and seen just as they had been told them. See, I believe that's what it looks like when you treasure that truth in your heart. There is something that is inside of you that you can't keep inside of you that just has to come out in praise and glory to God. Believing that the baby who was born to die for our sins has become our risen Lord. And that one day, as Brian reminded us, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, just like the angel said, that he is Christ the Lord. That's what happens when we realize that a Savior has been born for us, bringing peace to the world so that we really can sing with joy, even in a world in which is still filled with plenty of uncertainty, we have a reason to sing for joy. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I do pray that what is familiar will not become benign, something that has lost its power and meaning in our lives. I I do ask, Lord, that the people here this morning will, in fact, take the opportunity to consider that nativity scene that often decorates our homes. And that we will look at that baby in a manger and we will remind ourselves what the angel said, a savior has been born for you. And Lord, may we, knowing that truth, live with an expectant heart, believing that that savior who died for our sins has risen from the grave and he reigns and rules and one day he will return. And Lord, create within us, even if it's right now, in this moment, this morning, an expectant heart. Not only expecting the promise of your return, but the evidence of your hand still at work in our world today, in the lives of your people. Lord, may we live with that truth, believing it with all our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I do pray that the unexpected joy that the angels announce will fill your hearts in your homes during the Christmas holiday. We love you, and we hope to see you tonight. Have a great day. Merry Christmas.